May the Lord be with you. After Jesus and his disciples uh, took the Lord's Supper on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, Luke 22 says the disciples had an argument with one another about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus hears this argument, and Jesus turns their attention away from the world's definition of greatness. Jesus turns their attention away from the way that the rulers of the world grasp for power and for influence and for authority. Luke 22, verses 25 through 26. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest in the one who rules like the one who serves. You disciples, you who are going to continue my mission in the world after uh, my death and resurrection and ascension, you disciples, who are going to be the leaders of my church, you disciples are not to be like the kings and the rulers of the world who seek power and authority, but instead you are to enter into the world in the same way that I did, like a servant. At the Lord's Supper, that night when Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, and this is my blood poured out for you, in that moment Jesus was symbolizing what was going to be his ultimate act of servanthood for his disciples and for the world, which would be his death on the cross, when his body would be broken and his blood poured out for us. But then he takes that opportunity to tell them that their lives are also to reflect his life. As he is at the table, as he is one who serves, they also are now to go into the world as servants in the same way. Now, none of the disciples, as they were sitting around the table that night, really understood what was happening. Uh, None of them really even believed that Jesus was going to actually suffer. And so they certainly did did not understand that when Jesus told them that they were to be like him, like a servant, that he was telling them that their lives and their deaths would be like his. That their lives were to be broken and poured out for the sake of the world. Over the last few months, we've been exploring the idea uh, that we read about in the Bible, that we become like what we worship. And we've looked at that really from two different perspectives. Before Easter, we focused on how we become like the idols that we worship. When we worship or place our trust in things that are not God, then we become like them, in that we become spiritually blind and deaf and dumb, unable to respond to God in any way. After Easter, we focused on uh, the similar but opposite truth that as we worship Christ, we become like him. As we worship Christ, the Holy Spirit transforms our character and our minds so that they are like the character and mind of Christ. And over the last few weeks, we focused on a few of the particular spiritual disciplines that have been passed on to us that the Holy Spirit uses to form us into Christ's likeness. This morning, we're going to look at one final practice that the Holy Spirit uses to form us into Christ-likeness, and it is the practice of communion, the Lord's Supper. 
This is the central act of Christian worship, taking the bread and the cup, eating and drinking, so that the sacrifice of Jesus becomes a part of us. When we take the bread and the cup, we're not simply observing or reflecting on the sacrifice of Jesus, but when we take the body and blood of Christ into our own bodies, we do that so that we may participate in the sacrifice of Jesus to make it a part of us. On the night when Jesus gave the disciples this meal and told them to practice it, they were being invited to participate in his sacrificial life. And as they took the bread and as they took the cup and consumed these symbols of Christ's body and blood, they were invited to become like Christ, to become a servant like him, to participate in his sacrificial life. When we eat something, it becomes a part of us, right? And it changes us in some way. And so in your life, if you eat and consume things that are not good for you, that are unhealthy, your body will become unhealthy. You will become like what you eat, so the saying goes. But if you eat healthy things, your body will become healthy. What we eat becomes a part of us. Jesus gave us this central act of Christian worship. And when he did that, he decided that our central act of worship should be a meal. That our central act of worship should involve eating. When Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper, he was giving us a practice that is intended to shape us and to make us like him. As we take his broken body and spilled blood and put it into our bodies, the Spirit is at work in us to form us, to shape our lives so that our lives will be like his life, so that we will become like what we eat. Have you ever considered communion in this way? Have you ever considered that taking communion is a practice that the Holy Spirit uses to form you into Christ's likeness? what I want to suggest to you today as we think about communion and becoming like Christ. And I, I want to talk about communion as a practice that shapes us into Christ's likeness by sharing some of my own experience of communion and um, how I thought about it as a kid growing up and um, how, how I've thought about it throughout the years and some of the different uh, ways that I've come to the table and come to understand it. I want to share some of those things with you because I think some of these things you will identify with and hopefully today that we'll embrace some of those truths that we understand but also to expand our understanding of what's happening when we come to the communion table. Throughout most of my life, whenever uh, we took communion in the churches that I was in, uh, I thought that it was my responsibility to really focus on two things. First, I thought it was my responsibility to concentrate and to think really hard on the crucifixion of Christ and to think about how terrible that event was. And I would try to keep that in my mind. And then the second thing, um, after thinking about the crucifixion, I would think through all of the things that I had done wrong over the last month or the last time that I had taken communion, and I would try to ask for forget, remember those things and ask for forgiveness for them. And while I was doing this, of course, there was some somber music being played in the background. And so in my own life, I had this little ritual that I would do. Um, I don't know how I came up with this. Um, I 
think I made it up on my own. I, I, I was not taught how to do this, but I had this ritual. In the churches that I grew up with, we took communion in a very similar way that we usually do here at Ebenezer. And, and what we would do is we would first receive the bread. And once I received the bread in my hand, I would begin thinking about the sacrifice of Christ, thinking about his broken body on the cross and meditating on that. And then we would take it. And then the second time when the the cup came around, I would then uh, take that cup in my hand and I would look at it and I would think about the blood of Christ and I would think about how that blood of Christ was to forgive my sin. And so that's the time I would take to, the opportunity I would take to think back on my month and think about the things that I had done and to ask forgiveness for those things. And so for most of my life, I believe that communion was all about me recalling how terrible Jesus' sacrifice was and also how terrible my sin was in putting these two things together so that I could have a better appreciation for Jesus' death on the cross. And I came to believe over time, and I think I still believe this in some way, even though I'm coming to a deeper understanding, I came to believe that the goal The spiritual benefit of communion was for me to attain a greater appreciation in my mind for Jesus' sacrifice for me. I thought that was the goal. Now, without a doubt, this is an important part of communion. But as I've reflected on the practice over the years, I've come to believe that there is much more to this practice than I previously understood. And if my experience resonates with you at all, Uh, that perhaps there's more to this practice than you have previously understood. Remembering Jesus' death, remembering and confessing our sin, gaining a better appreciation for the death of Christ is, of course, an important part of communion. But what is important to notice in my story is that God is nowhere present and active in my understanding of what's happening at communion. In my understanding of what was happening at communion, God's immediate presence and work in my life really wasn't necessary in order for me to gain the spiritual benefit that I thought communion was all about. It was all up to my own imagination, my own memory, in order to gain the spiritual benefit. The spiritual benefit that I received from communion came totally from my ability to conjure up thoughts about Jesus' resurrection and my own ability to examine my own life and ask for forgiveness for those things that I could remember. What I think is necessary for us to hear today is that receiving the bread in the cup is before any of all of those important things that I've said. Before that is a gift of God's grace to us. And the spiritual benefit that comes from taking communion is God's work and not our own. It is God's work, active and present with us when we take communion, that feeds us spiritually and makes us like Christ as we take it. As we take the broken body of Christ and the poured out blood of Christ into our own bodies, we are being shaped in some way. We are being formed by the Spirit so that our lives will reflect his servant, sacrificial life. So that our lives will become like that. Now, I'm not entirely sure how my thoughts about communion developed, but I think that one of the ways that it developed was through a misunderstanding of what it means for communion to be a symbolic meal. Uh, Baptists throughout our history have emphasized communion as a symbolic meal, and that's good because that is what it is. It is a symbolic meal. 
At the communion table, we receive symbols. The bread that represents the body of Christ, the cup that represents his blood. When we take communion, we receive the symbols of his body and his blood. What I've often heard people say, I think growing up, is that the bread and the cup are just symbols. That they are just symbols. And I think that this is obviously in response to other traditions that, uh, that teach that uh, the, the, the wine and the bread actually become physically in some way uh, the body and blood of Christ. And so in response to that, because we don't want to say that, we say that the bread and the cup are just symbols. And I want to suggest to you that we should not say that. We should never say that these things are just symbols. And I think that doing that contributes to this idea that God is not present with us when we're taking communion, and that it's really all up to us to bring the spiritual power to the event and to the table. Communion is symbolic, but the bread and the cup are not just symbols, as if the symbols were unimportant and could be discarded. The bread and the cup are necessary symbols, given to us by Jesus himself so that we may participate in a real way in his death and resurrection. When we come to the table and we take the bread, we touch it and we smell it and we taste it in order to remind us of God's presence with us now. That he is never very far from us, that he is very near. And as we take the bread into our bodies, we are symbolizing the reality that without Christ and his sacrifice for us, that we are spiritually dead, unresponsive to God. Our bodies need physical food or we will die. Without Christ, we will die. But with him and because of him and through his sacrifice, we've been made alive to God and we are sustained day by day by his sacrifice for us. Communion symbolizes the spilled blood of Christ and the new covenant that God made with his people through that blood. When we come to the table and we take the cup, when we touch it and smell it and taste it, we're called to remember that a new covenant has been made with us so that we may enjoy a relationship with God now. When we take the symbols of communion, God is really here with us. God is present. By eating the symbols of Jesus' body and blood, Christ is uniting himself to us and making us one with him. The bread and the cup are gifts of God's grace to us, gifts that are beneficial to our worship of God as they unite us to Christ and also as they unite us to one another. Communion is a symbolic meal, a meal where we remember what God has done for us through Christ. But we must be careful never to say that communion is just a symbol, as if the bread and the cup have no power in and of themselves. When we say this, I think we unwillingly remove God's presence from the meal altogether, and we believe that the effectiveness of this meal to spiritually nourish us becomes our own responsibility. We remove God from the practice, and it becomes up to me to do my best to remember Jesus, to think really hard about these symbols. And the fact of the matter is, the symbols themselves are of spiritual benefit to us. They are a gift of God's grace to us. Another aspect of communion that I think that I often missed in my own practice uh, growing up uh, is that we take this meal together in community. 
We cannot take the meal by ourselves. We must be with other people. It must be presented to us by another believer. But again, as I think back about my own practice of taking communion, it was the time of the worship service when I most turned inward toward myself, and away, in some ways, from those around me. This is unfortunate because it was intended to be a shared meal, a meal that we take with others as we all receive Christ's hospitality and all are all invited to his table. It was a Passover meal. When we think about the Passover, we know that uh, this Passover meal was a celebration that God's people Israel celebrated in order to remind themselves of what God had done for them as a people. The Passover meal was a celebration of God's saving work in Israel's life. They remembered the Passover lamb that had to be sacrificed so that the blood could be put over the door so that their community was spared from the angel of death. As they took bread, they were reminded of the bread that came down from heaven in order to sustain them as a people as they wandered through the desert. For the Jewish people, remembering the Exodus was much more than remembering simply the facts of what happened at the Exodus. It was a reminder to them that they exist now as a people because of the Exodus. When they took the Passover meal, they understood themselves to be in some way participating in the Exodus because they now remained God's people and that they were only God's people because of the saving work in the Exodus. When we take the communion meal together, we are being reminded that we are a community of faith brought together through the sacrifice of Christ. This is Paul's emphasis in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all take of the one loaf. Part of the symbol of of communion is remembering that all of us who are once separated and alienated from one another because of our sin have been brought together through the sacrifice of Christ. A third thing about my own practice of communion uh, is that I only ever remembered Christ's death, but never that Jesus is alive. When we take communion, we are called to remember that Jesus is now alive, that he is here with us by his Spirit, seeking to nourish us spiritually and make us his people. When we say that communion is a memorial meal, a meal of remembering Jesus, our remembering is not simply doing our very best to imagine the past historical event of Jesus' death, but also to remember that Jesus has risen and that he is now here with us, that the tomb is empty and that he is alive, present with us by his Spirit. And this kind of remembering, I want to suggest to you, is only uh, the work of the Spirit at communion. Any person, Christian or not, can sit in the pew and try to call to mind Jesus' death on the cross. That takes no spiritual power. It does not take the Holy Spirit to do that. But we need the presence of the Spirit to remember that Christ is present with us right now. That it is the death that Jesus died that enables us to be made one with God, and it is his death that leads to our own resurrection. 
It is the Spirit that leads us to recognize that we now have access to the Father through the death of Jesus. These are three of my own personal experiences of communion that uh, I think are true and have a lot of validity to them as we think in the importance of remembering Christ's death, uh, the importance of bringing to mind and seeking forgiveness. But I think that there is more going on when we receive the bread and the cup than what we typically think. There are many practices in the Christian life that we're given in order to become like Christ. And we've talked about a lot of those over the past few weeks. Prayer, Bible study, fasting, solitude, hospitality, practicing the Sabbath. All of these are practices that have been given to us and that are beneficial in making us like Christ. Communion is another one of these practices. As we take communion, Jesus Christ, present with us by his Spirit, is making us into a people that are his body. As we take his broken body and spilled blood into our lives, into our bodies, we become like what we eat. As Jesus' body was broken and given for the sake of the world, the Spirit is forming us to be a people who would be willing to have our bodies broken, sacrificed for the sake of our neighbors. The Spirit, as we take communion, is making us into a people of sacrifice and servanthood, a people who are willing for our bodies to be broken and given to others. This morning we have the opportunity uh, to take communion together. And uh, I'm a little concerned that as we go to communion today that you're going to try to remember kind of all the things that I've said today um, so you make sure that you're taking communion the right way. And um, I just want to make sure that, that's, that you don't do that. Um, I've given you some thoughts about communion today, maybe some that have been new to you. The last thing that I want you to do today is to come to the communion table confused, are somehow concentrating really hard on doing things the right way. The most important thing that I want you to remember today as we come to the communion table is that actually you taking communion in the right way has very little to do with the spiritual benefit that it has in your life. Communion is a gift of God's grace to you. God's grace is not dependent on you doing things the right way. So we come together today to take communion. God will be present with us. As we take the symbols by faith, God, by his Spirit, will be acting in your life. God, by his Spirit, will be shaping and forming you into the image of his Son as you receive them by faith. By faith, he will be uniting us to himself, joining us together in Christ, as we take and eat of his body and drink of his blood. So this morning, as you come, I encourage you to receive this gift of grace with great thanksgiving.